Defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger? Battleborn Phantom. Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua and Salmo, here with my co-host, Mitchell Weatherall, bringing you guys a mid-summer classic episode as we are here in the offseason. Mitch, how has your summer been so far, bud? You know what, man? It's been so far so good. Can't complain. No complaints. How about you? It's not bad. You know, obviously not as enjoyable as you up in Muskoka for pretty much all summer, but we're here working along at Battleborn Fan Talk as me and producer Dubes have been, uh, you know, adding some new stuff to the program and the platform, and we think it's going to be very exciting. So for those of you that are aware of what's to come on the social media sites that we have here at Battleborn Fan Talk, really looking forward to that, and the first episode should be out shortly. But Mitch, today's episode is kind of an interesting one. You know, we gathered here together today to talk about the Rasmus Sandin news, and per Luke Fox, the Toronto Maple Leafs are not any closer to agreeing on a new contract with defenseman Rasmus Sandin. How does that feel to you? You know what I mean? I, I'm just definitely against it because he's a good young defenseman that I think the Leafs need. And compared to like some of the guys they got in that blue line, I just think they could use him a lot because I think like he can really excel into his role and just be so beneficial to the Leafs. And the fact that they're stalling on these negotiations just shows that if they can't get anything done, they're letting a young defenseman with potential goal that can really help them within the long run. So the fact that like it's just a management thing now, not being able to bring this guy back, he's not going to cost them a crazy amount of money, but it just it's just something that it'd be a big loss for them if they can't figure this out as soon as, as, soon as the season starts. Yeah, you know, one thing about Rasmus Sandin is he's very young, left-hand shot. I think he could be that long-term replacement for Morgan Riley when that time comes. Obviously, that's still a ways away after his extension last season. But, you know, Rasmus Sandin, I'm a huge fan of his. I've spoken about it before. His analytics are, you know, off the charts for, you know, the Leafs blue line. And he has a 93% war right now per Jay Fresh. He has a 99% even strength offense. Uh, 45% even strength defense. So it's, you know, a little bit under the average line there. But then you look at his goals per 60 at 60%, his assists per 60 at 81%. Um, you know, he's a clear long-term piece. And if you're any rebuilding team, to give him a $4.1 million uh, contract on a one-year deal, and you forfeit, what, a second-round pick to the Maple Leafs. If you're rebuilding and you're looking for that, you know, top-end defenseman, I think I would do that. I think that's pretty much a no-brainer. If you have a defenseman that's this young, that shows this much promise in the offensive zone, he looks like he's getting stronger and more poised defensively. He looks like he's come a long way from what he was the season prior. I think that's a no-brainer for any team. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree that he's a long shot of Riley. It will take time for him to build that uh, potential over time, though. But his offensive presence through puck moving and tons of shots just really shows a lot. And, yeah, for sure his defensive game stepped up. But if he can be that two-way defenseman, both offensively and defensively, then that would really be beneficial to the Leafs. I find Riley poised more of a very one-sided defense, like offensive game compared to defensive. He's getting better defensively, but it's still not there yet. But I see more defensive play out of Sandin than I do Riley. 
So I definitely think the sky's potential and there's tons of room for him to grow over a long uh, period of time. And the Leafs just have to give them that, give him that opportunity. They can't let him walk because he can easily excel somewhere else. Yeah, you know, he's still only 22 years old and that's something that really stands out to me is we've seen him from season to season grow and he's becoming better and better. And he's still raw in my opinion. You know, he only played against third uh, pairing, uh, third pairing minutes this year played you know much less competition than what our top four was getting but still amazing analytics and to give up on a 22 year old that looks this promising for a second round pick is something that i hope kyle dubas uh doesn't do obviously you know the cap structure here with the maple east team is you know very tight and to make things work is always a problem but i i'd be upset to lose rasmus sandin especially for just a second round pick because i think that's something you get a pretty high price tag for you know we're looking at jacob chikrin across the league here who's going for a rumored of two first round picks uh, a couple top prospects like some ludicrous offers i'm not comparing chicken to sandine but that just goes to show you a young left-handed defenseman uh you know that shows so much promise in the offensive zone is, is a hot commodity and i think if you're just you know getting a second round pick for that i think the least can do much better and especially since they got first round value out of this guy right like they picked him 29th overall he looks like he's got some good speed to his game. He's a great skater. Like, he's a great skater. He's very fluent. And, uh, you know, if he can get stronger, and I think, you know, as he gets older as well, uh, I think this guy's going to be a real good player in this league. And I think his floor for sure is a top four defenseman. I think his ceiling could be as high as, you know, that number one guy for any team. I know that's that's some bold, uh, you know, acclamations. But I think, you know, he can be a, a power play guy. I'm really confident in him. I think he could be that guy to step up for any team's power play. He likes to shoot, right? We know that he has a good shot. Um, you know, Morgan Riley's kind of, you know, log jammed that role here with the Maple Leafs. So I don't think we'll see that here in Toronto unless, you know, God forbid Morgan Riley goes down with an injury, knock on wood. But now the Leafs just have, you know, an overflow of left-handed defensemen, right? Like Mark Giordano, great move, bringing him in at two years at 800K. That was awesome. He takes a huge hometown discount, but... Then you have guys like Jake Muzzin here, and you know you go down the pipeline. The Leafs have a lot of left-handed defensemen that could crack an NHL roster. You know, there's some in the American League as well that we haven't talked about much on this podcast. But you know, I, I'd, I'd be upset if they move on for Rasmus Sandin for something like a second. Um, is there any way, in your opinion, that you would move Sandin if it involved maybe a second and a cheaper NHL player right now? It all depends for me. I definitely think they can get more than a second they can definitely get a current player right now and maybe a first it all depends but with his ceiling again there's time for him to grow and i give it maybe two to three years maybe i could see him being a top four defenseman i just don't see him being that number one guy yet in toronto because uh i think riley sealed that deal especially after signing that big contract over the past season so i just see him as a top four defenseman in the as the leafs but i think i wouldn't move him because i think a guy like muzzin to be honest like i think he's going to be on his way out soon getting older injuries have hurt him a bit so i think they need that young defenseman like sandine to step up in that second pairing role for muzzin uh or any injuries occur like i'd roll with riley uh uh what's uh friggin uh Sorry, I'm stuttering. Uh, Sandine and uh, Giordano is my left-handed defenseman. I think they might have to move on from Muzzin soon. He's just getting old, and the injuries are killing him a bit. 
But uh, I wouldn't trade him at all because I think the Leafs are going to need him like down the run. And if they lose him with an old blue, like kind of an old blue line like they have, they're it's going to hurt them a lot. As far as like like his potential down the road with other teams, I definitely could see him as a top power play guy. He definitely has a potential moving forward, and uh, team like teams can fit him in within that role. But I don't see it within Toronto right now with Riley sort of solidifying that number one spot on the power plays that uh defenseman after signing that big contract yeah you know if i'm chicago or arizona and you know i see sandine still unsigned offer him maybe a 4.5 million dollar deal uh maybe 4.1 4.2 and you know you get him for a second round pick i think i'm gonna do that right like you have the financial flexibility to do that you take the risk right mm-hmm. former first round pick uh he looks like he's showing a lot of promise i think the leafs have you know a bad hand here leverage wise with Sandine in these negotiations because I'm sure the player and his agent both know what they can get from other teams here and I think the Leafs are in a bad spot here until they move out somebody but you know we've talked about moving Muzzin on this podcast for a long time now multiple episodes in a row actually I think and I feel bad because it kind of makes us look like Muzzin haters now I just want to clarify like me as in myself I'm not a hater on Jake Muzzin at all I love Jake Muzzin He's been one of my favorite players ever since he entered the league. I loved watching him with the Kings and his playoff success. You know, he's a real, real solid defenseman, and he has been his whole career. But, you know, it, it just looks like the age and the cap hit, and I feel like this might not be the fit like it was when they first acquired Jake Muzzin. But then there's also this other half of me that says, well, you know, before you go and say that, right, what about the playoffs last year? Jake Muzzin was arguably the best defenseman for the Maple Leafs in last year's playoff round against the Tampa Bay Lightning. He played top four minutes. He was physical. He was rugged. He was tough. Um, and you need guys like that. We see it in Tampa Bay, right? They had tons of guys when they went back-to-back. Tons of solid defensive headmen. You know, he's their number one guy, but that guy plays all three zones. He is a great player, arguably the best D in the league. You look at Ryan McDonough, very solid, tough defenseman. You go down the list, Jan Ruda and Chernak, who they had on the right side as well, you know, even their young guys like Foot, who were able to step in, you need tough physical defensemen that can play in all three zones. And I think Jake Muzzin is very underrated in that aspect. But I think injuries are what have killed him. And yeah. you know what? I, I just you know at his cap hit and seeing you know kind of defensemen like Jake Muzzin that play that physical tough style, their regression is a lot harder than guys that are more you know making their names off like their skating ability and speed and stuff like that. Well, yeah, like, when he's, when he's, like, like, for what he plays, like, getting in the corners and throwing those big hits, like, he's, he's a defensive defenseman, blocking all those shots, too, like, he's gonna, like, the injuries are gonna kill him, and, uh, that's, that's the problem with him, so, I think, like, as time goes, like, he's just, he's just, like, I like him and all, but he's, he's just slowing down, and I don't think that's realized, but he's slowing down because of his style of play, that's the reason, he plays that gritty, defensive laid-back style of play so that's my only thing with him like that's that's why and i think they gotta move him before it's too late and i think sandy's there to fill the spot they just gotta make a deal for him and if they if they don't make it like if sandine like if he's traded he's that ultimate replacement and uh they're gonna be stuck with muzzin down the line and they gotta deal with his injuries and him slowing down so like he served his time don't get me wrong but the injuries are what's killing him, and I love his style of play because I think the Leafs need a defensive defenseman, a tough guy like he is, throws the hits, makes those blocks, 
They got Giordano to do that too, but I just think I see more of it out of Muzzin, and that's going to affect his style of play. So, Well, you know, and that's another thing too, though. you got to remember, to move Jake Muzzin, it's a little bit harder. Uh, you know, it's got that no-movement clause. So I think LA is the only place that, you know, has been rumored to be the only place he'd be open to going. Um, so if you want to make a trade with the Kings, I already said that that's an area I can see him going to, you bring in a right-handed defenseman. Elliot said that they are looking for a left-handed beat. They want to move one of their defensemen that plays the right side. That seems like a match made in heaven between the LA Kings and the Maple Leafs. Obviously, though, um, are they going to do it? Who knows, right? Because he means a lot to this team, right? Like, yeah. hometown guy, he came here. He's part of the core. Um, and, you know, just moving off. But just this year was just – it was scary because seeing the regression hit that hard at his price tag – uh, that's certainly costly, and with how tight they are against the cap, I, I, I got to be worried about his health long term. And you know, his age right now, it doesn't look like it's gonna get any better. You know, the style he plays, you know, obviously, we want to keep him around, but I just think we both agree that you know, even what he's making too, and for what his style of play is, and the injuries it's shown isn't good either. So it just shows to tell that they got to move him sooner rather than later, yeah. So but that's the thing, right? How many teams in this league are going to be interested in a declining? I don't uh, think anyone. Yeah, I think they're stuck with them. They got to trade the him, but they're just stuck with them. And will LA t- like LA? I'd be shocked taking back because like LA, like they're right, like they're getting better now. Well, LA, they're sort I, of that's, better. I can see LA taking them back because LA still is a younger team. Well, because they got chemistry with them, that's why. Yeah, they have a younger team. And you know, I think with Jake Muzzin coming to LA. They, they want that veteran left-handed defenseman. They Remember, they lost Martinez too, right? So Chemistry, that's yeah, why. So chemistry. they bring back a veteran guy like Muzzin to kind of play with maybe a Waugh or if they don't trade Walker, Walker. Yeah, um, Sean Dersey is a fantastic young defenseman. You know, I was very high on him when he was with the Leafs and the Leafs organization. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's going to have a nice year this year. I know a lot of people are saying that he's basically worthless now that Drew Doughty's coming back. But oh, yeah. I think Sean Dersey's a good young defenseman. I think he's going to be good in this league. Uh, so, you know, you know, who knows? Maybe the LA Kings take a stab. Maybe they bring back Jake. Mm-hmm. I hope Jake stays. I hope they can work all things out. Hopefully we see the cap raise in a couple seasons because uh, I don't think you're going to move Jake Muzzin for a cheap cost no. right now. And, you know, what are they going to do with Sandine, right? So, Sandine, hopefully he can come back. But, you know, today we've been talking a lot about the cap. So, I think it's only fair that we mention Nazem Kadri, who signed with the Calgary Flames yesterday. Um, you know, Nas, long-time Leaf, uh, one of my favorites personally. Uh, what about you? That signing is actually so underrated. They go from trading Monaghan to get, now getting Kadri is such a massive upgrade. Like, you think with them losing a draw, they're going to rebuild, trade Kachuk and all that. Well, they traded Kachuk, but they get Huberto in exchange. I don't know what Florida's doing. I'll go off on them later. But uh, I'll go off on them another episode. But like to sign, Con- like this team's improved so much. Like they're finding replacements for those stars that they've lost. Yeah, Monahan, Gaudreau, you get Huberdo. Like, oh my gosh, it's so underrated. So and like, I like call like Colorado. I know they couldn't retain him, but like I just think this signing is so underrated for Calgary. Yeah, well, for sure, right? Because now Calgary has three centermen down the middle there where the spine of that team looks like it's going to be a top five team in the league next year. Kadri, Lindholm, I would have never Backlund. thought Calgary would be a top five team after. Like, everyone's – well, you know what? I like. They're, I think they're a little overrated. They were last year. They were last year. 
When they, what when they are you saying? Right well, they well they got disappointed to the Oilers, but now they're now they're good. Now they're better. So the whole studio here at Battleborn is laughing at Mitch's takes here about how he never saw. Okay, the they're Calgary overrated against. They were. Oh, they are now, but they are overrated against the Oilers. They were. Oh, wow. Okay, that's that's. They disappointed. Twice. They disappointed. That's a hot take. They disappointed. Okay. I'll go um, off on the Flames on another day. But yeah, I know. The Calgary Flames look good next year. I, you yeah, know, they will be. Credit to Nas. I'm happy for him. That guy's faced a lot of adversity in his career. Mm-hmm. He's pulled through. He has that Stanley Cup ring on his finger now. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see him next year, especially playing back in Canada. I'm excited. Mitch, are you going to be buying his jersey, though? Should I buy his jersey? I mean, I'm happy I saw I'm happy he won Colorado and all that. But I think, like, this is a good opportunity for him in Calgary, too. Like, he's getting these opportunities now again, like, we didn't see him much in like Toronto. He's getting suspended and all that. I just I think he's proved himself now. So he got suspended that first year with Colorado, though. Yeah. So. All right. Moving on with the cap talk here. There's three names we're going to mention that are still available in free agency. Number one, I'm going to have to go bring up here is a defenseman, uh, right hand shot, very big name. Uh, the play does not match his name at this point in his career. Um, my brother actually just ran into him a couple days ago, skating in Toronto. Uh, he was on the ice with Mark Scheifele and Jeff Skinner, uh, former franchise defenseman and PK Subban, who's exiting from the Devils organization, still unsigned. Is this a guy you can see coming to Toronto? Mm, I don't think so. I just I think they're locked up with their blue line, and I I don't know where he'd go. I feel like he's done. Like he was done. And all. He's, he's done. done. So you you would not take Subban back. I'm sorry, I, I completely disagree. You give me Subban back on that blue line to replace what Justin Hall gave us last season. P.K. Subban offensively does not have the game that he did back with the Canadians organization, even the Nashville Predators, but his shutdown ability is very underrated. He's shut down some of the best players in the league last year. I remember watching him. His play on Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby, very physical, very yeah. tough. He can still play top minutes. Is he as good as he used to be? No, but if you get him at a reasonable price and you have him on your back end, I think this team looks much better defensively than where they were last year because you can't tell me P.K. Subban and Justin Hall are comparable. Okay, yeah, obviously not, but like, I, do you still think he has that offensive presence? In no, him? but I don't, I don't need that from P.K. Subban, though. I don't need him to come here and score goals. I need P.K. Subban to shut down the other team's best players. I pay Morgan Riley. Well, I don't pay him. But, you know, we pay yeah, Morgan yeah. Riley that kind of money to score goals, right? Yeah. So, you know, Morgan Riley, that's your offensive D. Now, I like all three pairings to have a little bit of offensive upside on each mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Obviously, your top-end pairing is probably going to have the highest. But you have Morgan Riley. If you can find a way to keep Sandy and you have Sandy, Mark Giordano, in my opinion, very underrated offensively. We saw how many points he got in a limited amount of games last year with the Maple Leafs. I think he was on pace for about 40 points for an 82-game season, almost a point every other game. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he looks like he's going to be a good player um, playing with this, you know, newly revamped Leafs offense. So, you know, I think you can get some offensive production out of him. TJ Brody, no chance. Uh, Jake Muzzin, I doubt it too. But, you know, Justin Hall or Subban, if you put in that third pairing, who I'd rather, P.K. Subban. If you want to put P.K. Subban on your top pairing with Morgan Riley, maybe that works too. Subban likes to throw hits. He's not afraid to back out of, you know, some scrums. And that's what I think this team needs. Mm -hmm. Justin Hall got beaten out alive last year. Very frustrating to watch at certain points. I think he's underrated, Justin Hall. I think the fan base was a little too critical on him. 
I think he still has a little bit of upside, but I think P.K. Subban all day. Well, I mean, like, I think the Leafs have been lacking that right-handed defenseman, so I guess, yeah, it would be a good signing for them. He Like, that defensive game for him is the strongest aspect now, so that would help them for sure, that guy. I guess they need that guy, though, that can shut down that superstars, and I don't think, like, they'll sign him for that offensive presence. Like, they got that out of Riley, so I think if, like, Subban and Riley would be a good offensive pairing, actually. Like, oh, I, well, defensive pairing. They're both good skaters. One thing with Subban is his regression. Like, I game. can actually picture that. That's the thing. But I, I, I'm high on Subban still. I still think some teams out there might value him a little bit higher than others, but I think Subban is a good player, and I would love to have him here in the blue and white, despite him being a Montreal Canadian. Maybe he's not rushing the puck like he used to be down the middle, but still a guy that I would love to have on my team. But next, let's go to the second name here that I'm going to bring up. And this guy can play center. He can also play the wing, right and left wings, actually. Uh, you know, played last season with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, what do you think about him? I actually think he's so underrated. He, he, I really liked him in Pittsburgh. He was a really good, like, depth player for them. And I think he can be a good depth player in Toronto. Like I said, though, in previous episodes, I think that Leaf, the Leafs are just missing that depth piece. And uh, just for them to move on. So if they can find that depth piece, like Evan Rodriguez, they can get for a low-key uh, low price, a low-key gamble. But uh, if uh, – no, I, like, I, I definitely think that's a good uh, – it's, it's a good depth piece for them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, they need that depth. So and it, was, it showed for Pittsburgh. So I just think uh, – One thing with Evan Rodriguez, I have to interrupt you here is he had such a good start with the Pittsburgh Penguins last season. It was, you know, when the Pittsburgh Penguins core started coming back, Evgeny Malkins, and, you know, they got Brian Rust, and Gensel, and Crosby returned, and they had that COVID outbreak. But, you know, one thing with Evan Rodriguez is he went from a top-end player for that team to regressing so hard that, you know, there were stretches of, like, 20 games where he was barely getting a point. And, you know, that's one thing that concerns me is uh, he's going to probably look for a, a deal like Cali Yarncroke got, and I just don't think I'm comfortable giving him that. I do like how he's versatile. Remember, this is a guy the Leafs did trade for when they made that Casperi Kapanen trade, and then they elected not to sign him. So, you know, I think this is a guy that maybe, if the Leafs do need more depth, I think he'd be a great fourth-line center. But again, Evan Rodriguez, he does good when he has the chance and when he has that opportunity. And that's something he's talked about. I've watched a couple press conferences of his where he says, you know, my hot start with the season this year at the Penguins is all because of the opportunity I'm getting. And then, like I said, once the Stars and the core came back, his role regressed, and there were stretches where it was really ugly with the Penguins last year, still in the back half. Now, the last name that we're going to be bringing up here today is a very, very intriguing name, uh, one that might turn all of Leafs Nation's heads around, and that is Phil the Thrill can you see Phil Kessel coming back to the Maple Leafs? Oh man, I like I as much as I love Kessel, I I just that's one guy I just can't see going. Uh, you know what? Like he's had like he's had so much so many problems in Toronto. That's a thing. So I don't see him signing, and I believe I don't see him signing in Toronto. I believe I said I said Vegas in one of the questions you asked me. I think for one of them, but. I don't think Toronto. He's just had so Let me interrupt. Phil Kessel in Vegas would be awful. But continue. Continue. <laughs> you agreed with it. 
No, no, like you. No, like the team fit wise, I agree. Like that, but like after all the stories about Phil Kessel and his gambling and the nights he had in Vegas when he was with the Penguins and stuff, that does not seem like a good mix. Uh, yeah, for you're Phil. in Vegas, man. I don't blame the guy. Okay, yeah. I'm here in Vegas. Yeah, okay, obviously from that perspective, but I don't know, man. Phil Kessel, um, you know, I think now with this Leafs team here, there's a lot of talk, does this identity of this Leafs team match Phil Kessel and a player like Kessel? I think that's, you know, a question mark that I don't even have myself, but how sick would it be to see Austin Matthews flying through the neutral zone with a puck on a stick, Mitch Marner going down the right, you got Phil Kessel burning down the left wing with Willie Nylander, and, you know, you, if you have the goalie pulled and it's a minute left and John Tavares is on as well, and that's your six guys on the ice, you know, just seeing Phil Kessel with the New Age stars uh, to kind of, I guess, that pass that was so dark, the Phil Kessel era, just to, like, kind of tie the knot and, you know, past success with the current success, I think that would be so cool. You know, that's stuff that you see in video games and movies. And, you know, imagine Phil Kessel, right? Like on that wing of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner or something. You know, that could be something special. And I think one thing with Kessel is he's not afraid to shoot the puck, right? That's one thing Kessel's very good at. He shoots the puck when he has that opportunity. I think you add that to this Leafs offense. There's a lot of pass-heavy guys. You know, there's a lot of times where Engvall was overpassive last season. David Camp's not a guy that no, that's known for shooting. Uh, Callie Yarncroft has an underrated passing ability as well. Look at Willie Nylander, right? Now, I'm not saying those guys all fit on the line because, you know, some of them are right-handed as well, but just Phil Kessel's sniping ability and what he's able to give Pittsburgh versatility down the bottom of the lineup, um, you know, some goal support in the bottom six. I think that's a very intriguing move, and, you know, I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't be against it. It would just depend on the team image and, you know, how different those conversations are because, obviously, we have no idea how those go, right? So, but you're telling me you wouldn't want Phil Kessel back in the blue and white just for some, you know, nostalgia factor just as a – one last time. Yeah, one last time would be cool. I just don't see where – I don't know. I just don't see him fitting in anywhere. Like, compared, like it's a different team compared to when he was playing. So. Well, like, where would you put him? The team lost Andre Kasha last season, right? Yeah. They bring in, they bring in Yarn Crow. They got Nylander and Marner on the like, they first lose two Mikhaev. lines. Right-handed shots. But where would you put – I mean, you got Bunting on the first line with them. But where would you put – where does Kessel go? From on the third line? I think Kessel at this point in his career might take maybe a bottom six role with a contending team. We see, we've seen him do it with the Penguins. What's stopping him now? He was successful with Pittsburgh. Remember, he went back to back. The, he was part of that HBK line, if you remember, with Benino and Carl Hagelin that was very, very dominant to the Penguins' success. So maybe an Engvall and Camp kind of line. You slide Willie Nylander uh, up with Tavares and you have that Marner-Bunting-Matthews line and Yarn Crow uh, can potentially play on the wing there as well. I think, you know, that's... I think... You I have think, a surplus yeah, of offensive options. If he want, yeah, if he wants to play, like, yeah, you're right about the Pittsburgh, like the HBK line, but yeah, I could see him being like that third or like third line guy for sure. But I don't see him fitting in the top six ultimately. Just... All right, Mitch, it was uh, good getting back with you on the Midsummer Classic episode of the Battleborn Leafs podcast. I'm looking forward to what Battleborn Fan Talk season two has to come. Obviously, you can hear the laughing in the background because of some insanely spicy takes here on Mitchell Weatherall's behalf. But, Mitch, uh, it was nice talking to you. And uh, Thank you, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, good takes. I'm just creating conversation. and That's about it. It's always a pleasure, and looking forward to hearing from everyone soon. 
All right, that's all from us today, and thank you guys for listening to the Bob Borleans podcast. All righty.